Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Menares. I believe that we all need a space to speak our authentic truth, as well as a space to hear the truths of real and vulnerable people so that we can better understand that we are not alone. Hearing the experiences of others encourages us to step into the light in our own lives. It is through owning our stories and learning to speak our truth that we are able to grow and rise above the challenges we face and step into the full power of all we were created to be. You will hear many topics discussed in this space with people from all over the world. We hope that you feel welcomed into a community of growth and that this space will invite you to uncover the absolute greatness that is already inside of you. Oh, and don't forget, check out all the We Podcast episodes as well as the We Spot blog over at thewespot.com. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey girl, it's me. You're listening to episode number 73, Finding Your Identity and Becoming Your Truest Self. In this episode, I get to chat with Robin Pantusa. Robin was born and raised in beautiful Colorado. Gymnastics was her identity for 17 years. After making the choice to move on from the sport following a series of significant knee surgeries, a new journey began of finding who she was outside of gymnastics, finding her true identity. Robin lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado with her husband of 15 years and their three beautiful children. She earned her bachelor's degree in psychology and elementary education, followed by a master's degree in educational leadership. Robin taught kindergarten and first grade for 10 years before making the choice to stay home and care for her children. She enjoys the peace found in practicing yoga, the beauty of the Rocky Mountains, and the laughter of dance parties with her family. Robin finds life in honest and vulnerable conversations and in a partnership of writing with her father. This episode will touch you in a deep way. It's all about healing and digging into your truest self. Robin is vulnerable and shares her hardest moments with us and how she continues to heal and keep moving forward. We definitely share the love for the honest, real, vulnerable conversations, and I just love this episode. There are so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom throughout, and I can't wait for you to hear them. So here we go. Here is my interview with Robin. Welcome to this episode of the WE Podcast. I'm super excited to have my longtime friend here with me today, Robin Pantusa. Robin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So Robin is a writer, a contributing writer for the We Spot blog. She puts some beautiful, amazing things out into the world, and I love being able to have you in that space. But we go back much farther than that. And I don't even know, I think maybe five or six-ish around there. A long time. Yeah. (laughs) 
long time. So when we were growing up, our properties back to each other and we used to walk and meet each other at the fence mm -hmm. and uh, play in the irrigation ditch. Do you remember that? Yep, I do. <laughs> that was I fun. I just really appreciate the fact that, you know, we can experience life together and then, you know, lose track of each other for a little while and then come back together. And I just think that that's a beautiful thing. So a lot of life has happened for you since those days back then. And it's something that I want to talk about and catch up on. That's a really big question. You want to start from the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm just grateful to have this opportunity to talk with you. Being a contributing writer for your community is, it's an honor and it's a joy. And to be able to come as you are to the table that you have set up for people is, mm. it's just fun. It's scary. And to be invited into this opportunity to share my heart, share my story, I think it's, a, it's just another great step on my journey and who I am becoming. You know, as I was preparing and kind of processing, like, wow, what do I, I want to share? Like, the, the scary parts of me were like, well, Robin, like, why is your story worth sharing? Like, you're nothing, you're nothing special. I feel this is a this is an opportunity for me to step more into the truth of, well, actually my story is one of God's favorite stories. Um, just like your story, Sarah, is one of his favorites. What I think I want to start with is my identity um, for so long was the identity of being a gymnast. And I'm sure you know that. I remember actually you doing like backflips across my living room probably <laughs> as a child and being so dang jealous that I couldn't do that too. <laughs> yeah. So I think if you were to interview anybody from our elementary, middle, high school days, mm -hmm. they hear my name and they associate it with, oh, she was the gymnast. Mm -hmm. um, and that was my identity for 17 years. And I'm grateful to have that as a part of my story, but it, it, um, it caused a lot of pain down the road in that a lot of, I don't want to call them issues, um, quirks. I would like to, maybe quirks is a little bit more of a kinder word to use of my perfectionism, of my desire to want to please everybody. A lot of that came from gymnastics and mm -hmm. I don't want to bash the sport because it is part of, it helped me to become who I am because there's a lot of great that comes from it. However, in my story, when I reflect back to moments of being put on the scale or moments of being belittled because I didn't do good enough at practice or I didn't work hard enough, those moments impacted me more than I would have realized because it, I couldn't lose that identity. That was what I was good at. That was where I found success and that's where I got my affirmation. And I wasn't popular and beautiful in honors classes and, you know, Rhodes Scholars or whatever those people are called. Um, so when I enter into college and 
suffer a knee injury that ends my career, I was lost. I, mm. I completely, I didn't know who I was anymore. And that was, that was really scary because I, my whole identity was centered around this one thing and to have that taken away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was, that was the start of my journey in discovering who I actually was and it was painful. So and you went to college on a, did you have a scholarship for gymnastics or mm-hmm. what was that? Yeah. So I graduated high school and I had a scholarship to go to Texas Women's University and continue on with my gymnastics career. And halfway through my freshman year, you know, very long story short, an injury previously in high school um, contributed to what ended up being the downfall of everything in that I was 19 years old and I needed a knee replacement. I had an experimental surgery, it worked, and then I was faced with the decision of do I go back to gymnastics and finish it out or do I make the decision to stop? And at that time, at that moment, I feel like God met me in that place and said, Robin, you need to discover who you actually are outside of gymnastics. And so I felt a peace about the decision. It was an unpopular decision, however. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I felt like I disappointed a lot of people by stopping, but I would do it all over again. Because at that time, being 19 years old, I wanted to walk when I was 30 mm-hmm. and be able to play with my kids. And, and that's bizarre to think because I'm 40 now. And I'm like, wow, 30 seemed really old then. <laughs> but yeah, so... So I did go on into college and that's where a lot of the shift started for me to grow up and discover who I was. But that was super scary when I didn't, I had no idea who I was outside of gymnastics. Your identity is fully in your performance, like how you can perform. And I think that happens for a lot of people in different areas, but for you, it was totally gymnastics and whether you were good or valuable or whatever was centered around that. So I can imagine how much pressure that had to be. It was a lot of pressure, you know, uh, the pressure to perform, the pressure to, to the pressure to look right, the pressure to make sure you're eating right. It's a lot. And so to step away from that and now to enter in at that time, to desiring to walk with God, know who he is. I didn't do it perfectly because what I found, and I would not have been able to name it at the time. So I walk away from gymnastics. I start pursuing God, but I'm, I'm pursuing being the perfect Christian and wanting to follow the rules because that's what I grew up with is rules. Here are the rules of gymnastics. Here's how you perform. Here's how you look good. Here's how you practice. Here's how you do it all. It's all mapped out for you. And here are the checklists that you need to follow. And so now I'm wanting to follow that. And so I know I didn't do it perfectly. I disrupted a lot of things within my life. And then I become a teacher and I want to be the best at that. And then I become a wife and I want to be the best at that and a mom and what I couldn't 
recognize until now over the last few years is putting my identity with my performance as a mom, with my performance as a wife, with my performance as a teacher mm-hmm. and realizing, well, I, I love those roles and I love those titles. That's actually not who I am. Mm-hmm. It's a gift and it's an honor and it's a joy, but I'm actually so much more than that. And that's my heart and that's my passion right now is to just encourage women to realize you are so much more than the title that's given to you. You're so much more than how much money you make or what title you have in the company or mm-hmm. whether or not you knock out all those amazing Pinterest crafts and recipes right. and you're more than the fabulous pictures that you put on Facebook. That's not who you are. Mm-hmm. Do you know so, your Enneagram number? I don't have it memorized. I know I'm a nine. And then yeah. aren't you supposed to have a second number? Yeah. I think yeah. they have ones that are like close to each other. Yeah. I want to say nine and two, but nine was higher than two. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. I think it's so interesting. But that that performance base, like perfectionism, like just becoming a part of our personalities. Mm-hmm. And I can totally identify with what you're saying. You, you know, worth and value for me has always been based on performance. How good of a student can you be? How much can you make other people happy? How much can you, yeah, perform essentially just in a different way? And It's exhausting Mm -hmm. and totally the opposite, I think, of who you really truly are. And so at some point that has to come to an end and and it's really hard when it does. And a lot of people just strive to get that back. Like they, you know what I mean? Like to go back into that comfort zone. But it sounds like for you, it was, okay, I got to figure this out and dive into who I am outside of this, which is mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, while it'd be great, fantastic, awesome, and wonderful, if it was a switch that you could flip, it's not. And for me, where I call it probably the beginning of my breaking point, there was a couple of things that occurred because, you know, it wasn't, I come out of gymnastics and I start walking with God and start teaching and get married and start having kids that, that I, it just magically happened. I was completely unaware in those times that I was following this pattern. It was after the birth of my last child, my little man who turned six next week had postpartum depression with him the church we were attending fell apart and there was deception. And then my mom and I kind of had a falling out and it was like this perfect storm of me just going, I care less about God right now. I'm so angry. I'm so mad. I'm disappointed in these people that say they're Christians, that they're lying and there's deception. And, you know, my mom and I were, just in this hard place in our relationship. And my husband was having this, what I called sky high experience with God, where he was really 
growing in knowing who he is outside of religion and hey Robin do you want to go to this captivating retreat and I'm like no don't want anything to do with it like like that's great like you go have your time and I was just super just super angry and super upset and then I did make the choice to read the book and then attend the captivating retreat But what had to happen is for me to get to know the God who is not religious, who doesn't have a checklist of you need to be A, B, C, and D to be good enough for me, to be loved, to be seen, to be known, for me to be able to um, vomit how I truly felt about the situation that I was in, about my story to be able to come onto the other side of that and receive the truth that who I am right now is enough. It doesn't matter if I'm United States teacher of the year or if I'm world's greatest mom and I put on every spectacular party for my kids at school. It doesn't matter if I have the most amazing dinners on the table ready when my husband walks through the door and I always look perfect and my hair is perfect and I have the perfect body. Like none of that matters to him. What matters to God is that I accept that who I am is enough right now, that he's not waiting for me to get it together. Mm -hmm. Like what he thinks of me doesn't change when I blow it and yell at my kids. It doesn't change when I completely forget that my kid's soccer game was at nine o'clock and not 10 o'clock and we show up late and he misses the entire game. Not that that's ever happened. (laughs) It, It took me risking opening my heart because for quite some time I had a fear that God would be disappointed in me that I didn't have it all together. And that's that's really scary when what you have believed for so long is you had to be perfect and you had to look perfect and that number on the scale had to be perfect. And if you ate that cookie or if you had those French fries or you had those potato chips or a piece of cake, you've just completely blown it and you suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which only sends you further down into a spiral of it's harder and harder and harder to climb out of that. I love that captivating was pivotal for you and you got to go to the retreat. It was definitely pivotal for me and my growth. And I remember reading it and for the first time thinking, oh my gosh, like God is nothing I have thought he was all of this time. Totally different perspective because there was definitely a huge part of my life where I wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church, nothing to do with any of that because of the deception and the lies and the craziness that can go on. inside the church and with people who are claiming to be Christians, I was like, I want nothing to do with any of that. I read Captivating and it was like, oh, there's another 
way to look at this. Like there's another perspective. It's not just that one way. Huge. I mean, life-changing really. Absolutely. And I, I bless the churches out there that are good. Like I don't ever want to come across as like all the churches are bad. I will say for me in my walk, the most growth I that ever occurred for me was actually when I completely stepped away from the church. When I was able to get to know God as a man, as a father, and not as this person who is waiting for me to fail, who sees me as just this wretched person mm-hmm. that should just be grateful that he died on the cross for me. Mm-hmm. But rather I got to know God as this kind and compassionate, loving man who is so sorry for the pain I have experienced over the years, who um, was able to come in and um, help me. And it's still process. I I still pray daily, like, God, can I see me the way you see me? Because it's so hard. I want his eyes the way he sees me because uh, the enemy wants to come in and throw those lies back in. And, okay, no, those aren't true. But for me to walk through the yucky that I walked through with my mom, and I attended Captivating in April of 2015, And then there's an advanced in October. And I knew those didn't come very often. So I attend Captivating, begin this restoration process for me and my heart and a lot of the pain in my story, start to make slow steps in my relationship with my mom and, you know, just healing those broken places that had kind of shattered over the course of the previous nine months. I attend... And in that particular retreat, there's um, a session called the mother wound session and completely wrecked me and broke me, did a healing that I could never have dreamed or imagined. And I walk out of that and two days later, my mom's diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. And it was this huge moment for me to go, wow, he really is kind and he really is loving and he loves me. And it was his heart for me to get this healing for me and my mom so that I could love her from a place of a full heart. That was just a moment in my journey. My identity as anything but a daughter of God didn't matter. My mom wouldn't have cared if I was teacher of the year. She wouldn't cared if I was an Olympic champion as a gymnast. She wouldn't have cared if I... I don't know, hung the sun, moon, and stars. What mattered to her in that moment was I was her daughter. And what matters to God is that I am his daughter and I am his favorite daughter. And that was just a huge shift for me, a painful shift, obviously, because then I lost my mom nine months later. I just, identity is, is something that is not earned. It's not something that you can work hard enough for because no matter how hard you work for any of those titles, it's never going to be enough. Those eventually will disappear, but 
at the end of our story, the one title that will always remain as daughter that can never, ever be stripped away from you. Hmm. So. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit more about the process? So you came out of this retreat and then nine months later, your mom was gone. Mm-hmm. I would say that was like the next huge, like devastation in my story was to lose, to lose my mom. But it also was another part of a huge healing process for me because you're a counselor, you know how this goes. You go to counseling for one thing. (laughs) And then I don't know, like just listen so well and be able to hear the bigger pictures of the story. So it took me a little bit to be ready to, to take that step to start processing through my grief. I don't think anybody could ever be prepared for the loss of a parent. Mm-hmm. It felt risky, but it got to the point for my marriage where my husband in the most loving way he could say is, Robin, I can't be this for you. Like you need somebody to walk through this with you. I want to be your husband. And I wanted that, like, I wanted him to be my husband and not my counselor. So making the phone call to, to talk to somebody unwrapped layers of my heart that I don't think I've, I even knew were there. There's places of, of deep wounding that occurred just through life. Our parents do the best they can with what they know how to do. I realized through obviously working through the grief of my mom, but then that opened up, you know, different avenues of how little I thought of myself. I made a lot of agreements. And so what that did is these different places in my heart of where I took these significant wounds, the agreement that was over it was, well, that wasn't a big deal. And it took my counselor looking at me going, Robin, it is a big deal because your heart is a big deal and your heart matters. And so to shut down these these places in me that said I wasn't beautiful enough, that I wasn't smart enough, that I didn't have anything to offer, a big agreement that I had for some time was I'm stupid. You know, I'm a dumb blonde. Robin White, like you don't have anything to offer. And what I realize is when you have these agreements, when you have these lies, you place this pose in front of you that says, well, then I'm going to protect myself or I'm going to prove that those lies aren't true by being the most superwoman mom ever. I'm going to be like the super wife who's always going to have everything perfect for a husband is going to meet every single need that he ever needs. I'm going to affirm him enough. I'm going to validate him enough, or I'm going to pour everything I can into my job. I'm going to reach the top. I'm going to make millions of dollars. And that's going to fix all of these hurts and all of these lies Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to pose behind. But the reality is you can't sustain that. Like, Mm -hmm you physically, mentally, emotionally can't sustain 
carrying all of the weight of your hurts and your lies and be able to hold up your pose at the same time. Eventually you're just gonna, you're gonna crash. And for me, my crash was losing my mom. My crash was postpartum depression and my crash was, you know, realizing that I actually um, am so much more than all of the lies that I believed for so long that I just, I didn't have anything to offer. Like I was less than everybody else. Somebody, um, somebody was always, oh, they're more beautiful or, oh, they speak more eloquently or, oh, they're, they have so much more to offer in their writing. Oh, they have this or they've gotten to do this. And, you know, then you bring in the whole comparison and that's like the thief of all joy is mm-hmm. to compare yourself with anybody else. I think this it's so powerful because I'm thinking about, you know, the people listening right now and how much that they can probably really relate to what you're saying, because I think so many of us do that. They're better than me. They're prettier than me. They're smarter than me. They're whatever. And I think the other piece of that too is not only do we compare ourselves in our strengths and our gifts and all of those things, but we compare ourselves in our suffering and they have it worse than I do. So I shouldn't feel bad about this or this shouldn't be a big deal because so many people have it far worse than I do. Yes, I completely wholeheartedly agree with that. In one of the in one of the hardest moments in the journey with my mom, we were sitting at the kitchen table literally waiting for my mom to pass. And it was just sitting there talking about this just is so hard. We're, we're in this waiting game of, of a camp plan life. Like we're just waiting for my mom to enter into heaven. And somebody said, well, you think we have it bad, you know, so-and-so over here, you know, they have A, B, C, and D. Mm. And while in that moment I wanted to say, oh, but that's so unkind to compare. You know, I I had to kind of have grace for the moment that we were all hurting and we all had, you know, we were all dealing with my mom's sickness and ultimate passing in our own ways. But I so want to encourage people and I have over the last three and a half years of don't minimize your pain because you're actually shutting your heart down and what is most healing for all of us is for you to name it for you to allow that pain to come out and say this sucks Mm -hmm. this is hard Mm -hmm. because god isn't comparing anybody at suffering like he's not saying oh well sarah yeah i'm kind of you know you know you're you're okay it's you're not going through that bad like someone's over here is going through something so much worse it's just so unkind. And I, even with my husband being in the military and we're dealing with deployments and this kind mom at my kid's school, 
her husband travels a lot. He's not in the military, but he travels a good amount. And she said, oh, I always think about you, you know, and my husband goes away for a couple of weeks. I think, oh man, but that's nothing compared to Robin. You know, her husband just went away for four and a half months. And I just looked at her and said, any time that your husband is away is hard. You know, as moms, when we're holding down the fort, while well, they're gone for a week or two weeks or months at a time, like you can't compare. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's just not, it's not kind and it's, and it's not loving. We all deserve permission to feel whatever we're going to feel because it allows us to get onto the other side and find the freedom and find the healing um, Mm -hmm. that we all desire and need. And yeah. Yeah. So it's doing the actual healing rather than trying to brush it to the side and put a bandaid over and pretend that it's not there which I think most people are really good at trying to do. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes, especially when we want to have it all together. Right. Yeah. We want to, you know, not look the hot mess that we might be in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But our real beauty shines through when we give ourselves permission to be whatever we are in that moment. That's when... I feel like we are our most beautiful is when we are authentically ourselves, when, you know, when we can be honest with ourselves and say, I'm just struggling in this moment Um, because we're, we are our own worst critics. And, you know, last year around my birthday, I just found myself, man, just struggling with the absence of my mom more than usual. And I found myself like, gosh, Robin, get it together. Come on. It's been two years. Mm. Like, shouldn't she be okay by now? Mm. And the kindness of God to say, no, you get to be what you are today. Feel, process, talk to your mom, write her a letter, and allow yourself to receive his compassion and his kindness so that you can continue to move on in this journey. And I think that's what's most vital in us finding our identity as daughters or as sons with you know, whoever chooses to listen to this. You can't find that if you're hiding and you can't. So if you, if you're, you're making the choice to, to put on this pose you can't, you can't find that identity until you choose to open yourself up and feel and mm-hmm. say, this is a great day or say, man, parenting's hard today. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I would love to sit here and say that I walk in my true identity fabulously every single day, but I don't. It's a struggle. It's a daily struggle to believe what is true of myself and learn to love myself as I am. But I fight. Good. (laughs) Yes. And you're encouraging other people to fight too, through your writing and through your sharing your story. And I think that being able to make that shift is, is fighting. So to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up 
why am I not over this yet? It's been two years. I mean, you can, everybody who's listening, I'm sure can see or hear like the downward spiral that comes after that or something wrong with me. How much different it is to say, you know what? I am going to fight. I am going to stand up and say, I'm going to feel this and I'm going to experience it and I'm going to be present in it so that I can get true actual healing and move forward rather than being so unkind. You you keep saying it's unkind and I would just say, amen, sister. Like <laughs> it is so terribly unkind. But I think it's scary. People are scared, genuinely fearful to experience their emotions. Mm -hmm. It's scary. It's our culture today, I wouldn't say necessarily embraces vulnerability, embraces um, messy or emotions. Um, and part of that's just the pace of our culture today. It's so fast paced and we're always moving on to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. And there's not a whole lot of margin in most people's days anymore to actually pause and slow down enough that they can access their heart, that they can make a choice to access and hear hear from God. And that's, that's sad. However, we get to make our own choices and we don't have to make the choice to go with the pace of the world today. We can do something different. We can make the small choices for ourselves. Realize that in us making those choices, we might actually be able to encourage and invite others along through our words or through our actions that, hey, it's okay to to take a moment and breathe and feel like we don't need to hurry up and get over this. Yeah. Yeah. I think slowing down for for me, there was a period of time when you are so performance-based and, you know, achievement focused to slow down in my mind was laziness. I'm being lazy. And when I would slow down, not only was I being lazy, but then all of the noise within myself just got so much louder. (laughs) And so then it's easier to be like, okay, I don't like this noise. I'm going to continue this fast paced, never having any downtime because I don't want to hear that. I want to avoid it. And so sometimes I think we make a conscious or an unconscious, but somewhat conscious decision to say, I'm not going to deal with this. And so I'm going to shove my schedule so full. So there's no time. And I think even now we're doing it to our kids too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would, I would agree with that one. We, we operate differently in our house and yes, so I have we. three, three very different children, one who loves to be at home one who wants to know when the next thing is happening and then the other (laughs) one will just go with whatever but yeah no it's 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 hard to to make the choice of okay well tonight we're just actually going to chill out we're not going to go do anything we're not we're not going to choose the rat race of 
kids being in 10 different activities and mm-hmm. I can handle one at a time, one activity at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so. I agree. Over scheduling. That's a whole nother topic. We won't go down that rabbit hole. So this came to a point, it came to a huge shifting point after you lost your mom. And so can you kind of walk us through how it's been in the last, you said three years? It was July 5th of 2016 when my mom passed away. So we're at about three and a half years now. Okay. It's been an interesting journey in processing some significant healing within my story. It's been a journey with my dad in learning how to have a relationship with him. Not that I didn't have one with him, but it's different because my mom was the social one. Like she was, she kind of directed the relationship between us and the grandkids. And so it was learning a new relationship with him. It was learning for him, a new relationship with his grandkids. And, you know, unfortunately, now he's walking through his own cancer journey. And what that has brought me to with regards to my identity is grieving and learning um, a different dimension of my relationship with God. You know, grieving that a lot of times I don't feel like I can be a daughter with my dad because I'm, I'm holding different roles than I've ever held before since my mom passed and preparing myself for the possibility of not having any parents here. Mm -hmm. And I know you can understand this pain of, I just want to be a daughter. And so learning how to pour that part of my heart out to God and have him help me learn how to see him as both a father and a mother and realizing that while I may not hold the role of daughter the way I desire here on earth with my earthly dad, I do hold that role with my heavenly father. And there's so much I want to learn and desire to learn about that. But I'm grateful in the midst of the pain of losing my mom and watching my dad um, go through his journey. I'm grateful um, to be in the place that I am now trying to understand my identity as a daughter and this desire um, to go back to that place of when you look at your baby for the first time and they are so perfect and so beautiful and wanting to be able to embrace that for myself with God. Like that's kind of where my, where my heart is on this, this journey of beauty and pain um, and holding space for both of those, like that I can, I can hurt and have the pain of not having my mom and watching my dad be sick and also hold the beauty of it at the same time of what I see God doing in and through me and through my kids and through my dad. And yeah. Yeah. It paints a beautiful picture of the process and of that shift because when, I mean, I lost my mom in a weird way. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> so mm-hmm. it's hard to categorize that because it's not really a death, but it's, but it was, you know, kind of is. So that was traumatic. But with my dad, he got sick. And after he got sick and after he had his um, strokes and, and uh, bypass and all of that, he was a different person. He, he wasn't the same as he was before. And it was a total shift from being a daughter to then being more of a caretaker. And I needed to help him, you know, even with his house and that it's, it's, it's a hard dynamic. It's a hard shift totally because there were, there are still times where I'm like, I just want to go to one of my parents' house for Christmas. (laughs) I just want to go, you know what I mean? I just want to Mm -hmm. be taken care of, I guess, is Mm -hmm. maybe the feeling like rather than being the one who's in charge all of a sudden of doing all of the caring. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's an honor and it's a joy to love them and care for them my child heart still still wants to be nurtured and loved and mm-hmm. but i love how you're talking about it and you still have that in a much deeper place in your relationship with god um that never goes away and so mm-hmm. i think that brings a lot of comfort and hope and um healing in and of itself. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to move into asking you my questions. Mm -hmm. So the first one is, is what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? What's been vital to my growth is being willing to be vulnerable and go into those scary places and spaces in my heart and in my story because it's it's allowed me to unlock those those places in me want to be seen and want to have a voice especially younger me she was pretty quiet for quite some time so taking that risk unlocking those places that I've made the agreement that it wasn't a big deal it's just been huge it's been it's been life-changing for me to give myself permission to have a voice and um, give younger me permission to have a voice. And yeah, you know, having a voice and that I do have something to offer, you know, rather than, than staying quiet. And um, like I, I, I used to joke with my husband and I've gotten better about this, that for, for much of our marriage, when we would have to attend events, I would just be his trophy wife. So I'd make sure I'd look cute and look good and I'd just stand there. And then after the loss of my mom and starting counseling and uncovering places, she even called me on it. Okay, you need to stop calling yourself a trophy wife and realize that you're not just a trophy wife, like that you have a heart and you have something to offer. So that's been a big part of my, my journey too. And I can share my opinion or while I may not be able to quote the Bible verbatim, I still have something to offer. And so, you know, breaking those, especially that agreement that I'm stupid and I don't have anything to offer 
I was, I was just always afraid I would say something stupid or mm. what I would say. People would kind of look at funny and be like, oh, she didn't know what she was talking about. It, it's occurring to me as you're talking, like how big this is, because I didn't know your story in depth like this, how big it is for you to be writing for the We Spot and putting it out there and how amazing it is. And I just want to say, oh my gosh, like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and I'm Thank so you. No, glad. it was scary. Yeah. Yeah. I it bet it was. Scary. Uh-huh. And I didn't tell my husband that I applied. And then he got back from his deployment last year. And I said, yeah, so I did this thing and I got accepted. And I don't know what I was thinking. It was a horrible idea because I didn't think I would be picked. And he just was smiling from ear to ear because he's my biggest fan. And he said, Robin, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to take a step of courage mm-hmm. and risk being vulnerable and put yourself out there because you do have something to offer. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yes, you do. And your pieces are beautiful and amazing. And so I'm glad it's to me, it's like when we do it, when we put it out there, we get confirmation too. I think sometimes like encouragement to continue to go. And that's been the case for me, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did this. (laughs) I can't believe I just put that out there. But then you get a message from someone that says, thank you so much for sharing that or, you know, something. And it's not that you need the external validation, but that it is, it's encouraging to keep going, to keep sharing because your voice and your story is needed and necessary for so many people. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So stepping away from this podcast, what do you want to make sure that people know? My heart really wants people to know that they are seen and that they are loved just as they are now. Um, that our true identity is not found in what we do, but rather in who we are. And when we make the choice to strip away all the titles, all the labels, all that we hide behind in our pose, um, that's when we're able to access our hearts. That's when we can access those places where we've been hurt or we've been wounded. And when we're willing to enter into those places, we can find healing and we can find our true identity. Um, And it's a process. And it's a journey and it's hard, but it is beautiful and it's so freeing and it's so worth it. Mm, Yeah. So what would you say to the person listening who is saying, you know, I would really love to be able to access my heart and to go there. Do you have a tip for them or something like a first step or uh, what would you say to them? I would offer, um, you know, I, I can only speak of my journey. And my first step was asking a friend, do you have any recommendations of somebody that I could talk to? It's great if you have a friend that you can confide in and you can talk to. But when we're talking about healing and when we're talking about going into some risky places, if you're able to find somebody 
um, who has zero connection to you, um, who can kind of be an unbiased listener, that's super helpful. And so that would be my recommendation. It was me just, you know, and it actually might've been my husband asking a friend, Hey, do you have some recommendations of, Mm -hmm. you know, Robin is ready to talk to somebody and get some healing. That's just a, it's a huge first step and it's super risky, but it's the benefit, the payout in the end is worth every penny, every tear, every snot rag that you go through. It's, it's worth it Mm. in the end because our hearts matter and Mm. every listener, you know, your heart matters no matter what lie has been fed to you. You know, Satan, um, I heard this last night at a women's event, Satan's um, native language is lies. That's his number one attempt is to get you to question your identity and get you to say, yeah, your heart matters. You're, you are so far gone. You're not worth it. But God says the exact opposite. And so I, I offer that out, that your heart matters. Hmm. Soak that in. Soak it in. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So I know that people are going to want to connect with you. So why don't you let them know uh, where they can find you? Where's the best place to get connected? Well, the best place is through the We Spot. Like that's that's the home for my writing. I do have my own blog, um, joyfulsurprise.com. No, no, not com. My husband changed it. It's joyfulsurprise.life. But right now, most of my writing is through the We Spot. So pretty much what's on Joyful Surprise is my articles from the We Spot. Yeah, so the We Spot. All right. And then do you have Instagram or are you on Facebook? Only on Facebook. Okay. I'm, I'm really not social media cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have Facebook and I have, yeah. yeah. So they could find me on Messenger or like I said, the We Spot is my... Yeah, that's my home. That's awesome. where, where you've created a beautiful platform for me to be able to share my writing. So. Mm, thank you. Yes. And so you can go to the wespot.com, the blog, and you can find Robin. If you click on her name, it will pull up all of her articles that she's written. So that's a really good, easy way to find all of her specific pieces. So Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your heart and, and being vulnerable um, and showing us what it means to be vulnerable and to put it out there and just how powerful that is. Thank you, Sarah. All right, my friends, what an awesome interview. We absolutely believe in the power of our stories and we are so very grateful to our guests, who have the courage to speak their truth and share their heart, experiences, and light with all of us. If you want more of the WE podcast, make sure you head over to thewespot.com where you can find all of our episodes as well as the WE Spot blog. The WE Spot is your go-to spot for growth, connection, authenticity, and encouragement. You can also find us on social media. Head over to the We Spot Facebook and Instagram pages and get plugged in. You can also find me, Sarah Menares, on my personal Facebook and Instagram pages as well. 
If you love the WE podcast, we would be thrilled for you to rate the podcast and write us a review. We want as many people as possible to be lifted up in growth and get connected with our community. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes dropping every single week. We can't wait to see you over on social media. Thank you for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.